Hey guys, this is Jerry Pauly from the Hillbilly Horror Stories, and you're listening to the Horror Chronicles. Keep it creepy, guys. What's up, horror fan? Welcome to another edition of the Horror Chronicles podcast, a special edition tonight we got for you. I'm your host, Ryan, and with me as always, my co-host, JT. What's up, everybody? And uh, tonight we have a very special guest with us, guys. Um, You may know him from Hillbilly Horror Stories or... Warning, you may be offended, <laughs> or uh, one of those podcasts, but we're with Jerry Pauly tonight. How you doing, sir? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me on. Thanks oh. for being here, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and tonight we are uh, talking with Jerry to uh, talk about, he's actually got a book that just came out, and um, it's right down our alley, of course, and things like that, so we were like, hey, can we get him on here and uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. talk about this book, but I'll let you... Uh, Go on with something if you want to ask a question. Or oh, he's just going to throw me on the spot. I'm going to throw you on the spot there. <laughs> no, uh, no, Jerry, uh, I, I really just wanted to get you on the show. You know, we've talked in the past numerous times, and, and i got to throw this out there. You know, I appreciate everything you helped me with. I mean, mm-hmm. you talked to me for a long period of time and kind of helped me get this ball rolling for us, and, and it's been fantastic. We've been on your show before, had a great time, and it's really helped us out tremendously. And uh, I reached out to you the other day. I really wanted to uh, get you on and talk about your new book and, and uh, how that was going. I know the book is not out yet. No, it technically is out now. It, it is now. It did come out. Okay. Yes. I was thinking it wasn't coming out until the 27th or something like well, that. Well, what was, what was supposed to happen is it, it's, it's, if you ever had to self-publish something, there's a lot of steps you go to. And sometimes you just got to be safe on the date you put out. So we had initially put it as a, a release date of the 31st, October 31st, okay. Halloween. And uh, turns out once everything got approved, it went really quick. And they just went ahead and said, okay, it's available. So when that happened, we just said, okay, good. So it came out actually on the 17th. Awesome. 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 And what's the title of the book? It's Hillbilly Horror Stories from Hell to High Water, Demons, Depression, and Redemption. All right. All right. And we'll get a picture of that up on the screen. Here. Actually, I'll, I'll even do you one better. How about that? Oh, yeah. yeah there we that. go. That's beautiful. This is the first ever actual printed edition. So Sweet. That's awesome. How did it feel to get that in your hands? It was awesome, brother. I couldn't, I couldn't wait. I, when, it, when I ordered it and I saw it was coming. So first of all, I ordered. This is how screwed up Amazon can be at times. I ordered 120 copies. And they said, okay, that'll be here between the 28th and the 30th. <laughs> I said, okay. I went to Prime and I ordered one copy. And they said, okay, it'll be there by the 17th. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I, I've got the one copy. So I at least got to see what it looked like and hold it. But I was so excited for it to get there. But all my other copies that I've got pre-orders for that I need to sign and, and send off, right. you know, it's not going to be here till the end of the month. So go figure. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like Amazon. I like that. Uh, I like that cover art on there. Um, looks really nice. nice yeah, that's something that uh, my buddy Tim Mullins. He handles our website for us. He handles our YouTube. Yeah, yeah, He's also yeah, the. Uh, he does uh, Hillbilly Horror House. If you guys have ever listened to that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so big fan of the show, but he actually did the cover art for for that one. Yeah, he actually. Uh, for, we're friends on Facebook, me and Tim, and I'm pretty sure yeah, you guys yeah. are too. Yeah, yeah we, we talked, talked to, him. to him on uh, you know on Messenger a few times. Yeah, super that's, nice guy. Yeah, and that that artwork looks great. I like it a lot. I like it. Yeah, it was way better than what I originally designed, and which is 
<laughs> you know, I, I had the color scheme. I wanted to do something with fire, something with water. And uh, I came up with something that looked completely different. And he said, hey, you know, let me run with it. And uh, I trust his judgment. He always does a good job. And, right. you know, he came up with the microphone with the fire on one side and the water on the other. And I couldn't be happier. with Yeah, that. and that's perfect for what you do, for what you do. Oh, yeah, 100%. So big question here, though. Why, why the book and why now? I guess that's a good question. It's a fair question. We, you know, there's a lot of podcasters that put books out. And if you're in the paranormal realm, right. it seems like it, it's uh, like Jim Harold puts out his campfire stories, which are listener right. stories. Tony Bruski with Real Gold Stories Online, mm-hmm. he puts out stories that are a lot of times listener stories. And, you know, what we do, obviously, is, is you know, we research haunted locations or possession cases or whatever the case may be and, and do those stories. And, you know, people was like, hey, you should write a book about that. And I'm like, I, I didn't really want to rehash stories that have already been told a million times. I didn't see what we did any different. I'm not an author, but anyway, right. yeah. <laughs> so it's not like I can just jump in there and do something uh, any, that, that adds credibility to whatever stories we were doing. So I didn't have any desire to do that. I do that every week. Uh, but, you know, we got an email from uh we get several emails but but this one in particular was somebody saying hey you know what you've told so many stories on the air and you you've been so vocal with the suicide prevention that you know it's it's really helped me out and it just hit me one day after literally a year and a half of people saying hey you should write a book to thinking you know what i could probably tell my story in three parts. And that would be something I thought would benefit people and not be something people had heard. So the name of the book obviously is from hell to high water. That comes from a saying I used to hear all the time, you know, come hell or high water. You probably all heard it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, in the book, there's for years, I never really put any thought into what that meant when somebody said that. But, you know, I, I went through, a very tumultuous time in my life where I had uh, deep depression, went through a divorce, lost everything that I had, hit rock bottom and tried to commit suicide. Luckily that didn't take place years later. You know, I've met uh, a woman that, that is my pride and joy and my soulmate. And, you know, I've got all these seven, you know, grandkids and all these great kids. And I'm like, man, you know, I get it. I know what it means now from be from hell to high water. Right. So that's what I, I wanted you. to name the book. So what I, what I did was I put the book in three parts. If you noticed, I said it was demons, depression, and redemption. And what people learn in the book is the people that they, that know me now, especially through the podcast, Hillbilly Horror Stories, they see me as this giving person, as this loving person, as somebody who wants to desperately help others. And all that's 100% true. What they don't know is that I wasn't always like that. I had Mm. a very mischievous childhood. Uh, I was not the greatest husband in the world, to say the least. I was not a good father. And uh, I was an abusive husband, not from a hitting standpoint. I never laid a, a finger on my wife, but I was verbally abusive. And that was things that I didn't realize. And it cost me everything. And you know, after my suicide attempt back in 2001, I just decided that 
I needed to change my life for the better. And I started that day on trying to become a better person, a better human, a better father, a better husband. And, you know, I, I can remember my ex-wife not too long ago uh, when we were all sitting together, we're actually really good friends now. And uh, her and her husband and, and me and Tracy hang out a lot. And I remember at one of these little events, you know, she looked at Tracy and said, you got the better version of the husband. And mm. she couldn't have said it any better. And, and you know, I, I feel so bad for what I put my ex-wife through. And this book, uh, when you it, for people who read it, it's got a fair share of paranormal in it. The first part of the book, we talk about, I said demons just because it sounded better. But the reality of it was I, I moved into a haunted house when I was 13 years old. And for five years, we had all kinds of stuff going on in that house. And I explained it in detail including a Ouija board story that uh, I've talked about on the show several times, not the story, but that I wouldn't tell the story. Mm -hmm. And if something that happened to me when I was 17 years old, my mom was the only person that I ever told and she passed away in 2010. So even Tracy, we just celebrated our 13th uh, wedding anniversary. She did not know this story until she read it in the, the, the preview of the book that I gave her. So this book is the first time anybody is hearing this story other than my mom, and I saw I've held this secret for 35 years. Wow, that's, that's, that's awesome. That I mean, that's cool. I can't wait to get my hands on a copy and read it. So that's, that's the first part. That's the demons part. The depression, we talk about my mother passing away. We talk through the book about a special bond that I had with my mom, but at the same time, uh, we really got separated over the years uh, just because both hard-headed and stubborn and we didn't see things the same way and it really mm-hmm. caused issues. And when she unexpectedly died, left me with a lot of guilt. But between that and then, uh, like I said, everything that went on with my ex-wife, I lost everything. So we we not only cover the depression part, anybody could cover that, but we cover, you know, what I did to get better. And it's kind of not step by step, but through the years, I take you through where, where I'm at all through the book, all the way up to the end. I tell you where I'm at with my depression and what I do to deal with it, my anger management so this book is almost more of a um, a self-help book yeah. than a paranormal book, but at the same time, it's got a bunch of paranormals. And then at the end, the uh, redemption part, we talk about how, you know, as a comedian, I was able to do two wishes for Make-A-Wish, you know, as well as a bunch of other charity stuff that we used to do for orphanages mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then we get into the podcast where we try to help people with mental health issues and how we started the group that's got 5,000 people in it that is nothing but a self-help group now for people that are struggling. And uh, so that's the redemption part, you know, that's, uh, that's the part that, you know, you keep striving to be a better person, a better human, better husband, mm-hmm. better father. Oh, yeah. And, and then uh, this is my way of trying to make up for the, the shitty person that I was in the past. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can understand. Oh, you know, you kind of talked about, uh, how um, the book is more of a self-help book, but there is paranormal in it. And um, to me, the hu- being a human being is a paranormal experience anyway. For him, being a human being is tough. It's tough. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I think I'm pretty good at it. But no, um, you know, to me, it's kind of a paranormal thing anyway. Uh, um, because everyone's, everyone's different in a way, but then everybody's connected. Like group think, you know, if you get into a room full of people, I can feel your vibe. You Mm -hmm. know, I can feel how you are. Um, And we're all connected in a a way. 
And um, I think that, you know, as much as we love technology because we use it for our, you know, podcasts yeah. and things like that, I think a lot of the technology kind of sometimes have has brought in or interfered with that. Um, but we're all still uh, trying to, like you said, become better people, become a better whatever it may be, a father, a better husband, you know, a better brother, whatever, yeah, sister. Better friend. Better friend, you know, you could work on that. But um, – <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> sorry about that no we really do like each other yes get away from me <laughs> <laughs> but no um i uh i listen to your guys's podcast quite a bit you know um when i first started uh getting into into podcasts you guys's podcast was one of the first ones i've listened to and actually told jt about yeah, it you know yeah. And um, I noticed how you guys are helping people with that. And like, see, and even in my family, manic, manic depression and bipolarism runs in my family pretty hard. And um, I've seen a lot of things in life. Um, luckily for me, I've never chosen to go down that route. And I've been fortunate enough not to have it as bad as others. So I can see um, how helping someone will make you feel better not only for them, but for yourself too, knowing that you, that you've done something and you pulled yourself up, you know, from the bottom, which luckily they say, you know, once you hit rock bottom, there's nowhere else to go, but up. So, yep. you know. yeah. And that's one thing that, that has always impressed me about your guys' show is I love the stories, but I love how you're, you're always there for people with the suicide prevention and the shout out to the military and all the civil mm -hmm. service and stuff. I mean, you guys, you're just a very caring, appreciative, individual. appreciative. Yeah. Appreciative. And, um, you actually helped and you helped us out quite a bit, yeah. you know? So, uh, now like as soon as we heard about the book, I think I was like, Oh, we got to get Jerry on to see if he wants to talk about the book and just yeah. maybe talk about some other things after we talk about the book, whatever. But, uh, <laughs> You know, <laughs> anyway, we can sucker you into a conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we knew we would, but, uh, but, uh you know, here, here's a big thing. How, <laughs> with, with everything you've got going on, how the hell did you find time to sit down and write a book? I mean, well, it, it's, it's very, very interesting. I've, I've talked about it for a year and there was always so much going on, but it seems to to me that every time I get rid of something, I replace it immediately with something else. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. it's just, that's my personality as the way I do stuff. I'm, I'm used to working 70 hours a week. So I, I don't know what to do with free time now that we do this full time. Right. Uh, but I, there really isn't a lot of free time because if you can just use it to get, make things better. But uh, I decided when, when it came time to do it, I just had to put some other stuff on hold. We uh, were doing about three to four episodes a week and we decided to cut that back. Right. Uh, two and one of them I really don't do. My my daughter and granddaughter do. I just have to put it up for them. So I made the time that way. And then uh, I'm selling insurance, life insurance. And I decided I had to pretty much take a, a about a two-month hiatus on that. And I just spent four to five hours every day writing on the book. That was the first thing I do when I got up in the morning. That's when my brain was the freshest. And I just put it forth in there. And literally within a month and a half, I had the entire book written. Holy crap. Yeah, I, that's some serious yeah. writing there. But it's it's different though because I'm just telling the stories that happened to me. Uh -huh. So yeah, okay. it's that that's there, you know, I don't have to come up with a storyline like like a, a traditional author that that's doing, you know, uh, you know, a, a 
just a basic science fiction story or something. So mm-hmm. it was a little easier than, than it would be for a regular author trying to come up with a storyline. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Telling your, telling your own life story, though it may be harder at points in times, writing that down on paper and putting it out there for everyone to see. It's uh, not a, as Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it was, it was actually a lot harder than I thought it would be. There was a mm-hmm. lot of times where a lot of times where I would, st- I'd start at nine o'clock at night just because I got finished with everything I needed to do. And I'm like, you know, I want to do this while it's in my head. And I would start at nine and say, you know, I want to write an hour. And then I'll end up, it's three o'clock in the morning. I've now written for, you know, yeah. five or six hours straight. And I've had right. two emotional breakdowns because, yeah. you know, it's, it's when you, when you have something really tragic happen to you, mm-hmm. whether it be the divorce or whether it be the death of somebody uh, like my mom, you know, I can look back now and really do like a cliff notes version that my mom passed away. I can tell you it was December 10th and I can tell you that went to the hospital and, and that, you know, I was holding her hand when she took her last breath. Okay. That's one thing, but to put it on paper, then I really got to go back and say, Hey, it was this time. I know what I was doing. I know what clothes I was wearing on the way to the hospital. You really got to dig a lot deeper. Mm-hmm. And that makes it that makes you have to relive it in in extreme detail. That's kind of what the question I was going to ask you. <clears throat> I said it out, but um, you know, was it difficult? You know, sitting there and having to write this down and being able to like you know know that you're going to put it out there for everyone to see. Even though creatively, that's what I had to do. Mm-hmm. It, it I had to show. It was a, it was cathartic in a way that it was kind of healing to do it. I'm glad that I did it. And I think in order to really help people, you have to show your vulnerabilities. Mm. And by me putting it out there, it, it covered a couple of things. It was really tough to relive a lot of that stuff. I came, I came out of this with a even newfound appreciation for my ex-wife. Um, you know, it's, it's something that in her her copy of the book, you know, I, I'm writing in there that I, I'm sorry and I'll always be sorry. I mean, it's, yeah, there's, right. she can forgive me. I'm never going to forgive myself for the things that I did. Mm-hmm. And, and trust me when I tell you, some people will read this and say, well, that's really not that bad. I mean, I can't believe you're so hard on yourself. Doesn't matter. Everybody's got their level. And yes. yeah. for yep. me, knowing that this was a woman that I thought was my soulmate that, that I loved more than anything in this world to know that I hurt her in any way, shape or form yeah, was horrible to me. And to know that it got to the point to where, you know, she just didn't, didn't love me anymore and wanted a divorce. Well, I mean, what the hell, man? I mean, how could I be so oblivious to all that? And that's really where it comes from. And that, and that's the way I write it in the book. You know, I basically write a little short <laughs> paragraph that says, you know, we were, to, we were together all this time and life was perfect and I was a perfect husband and I was a perfect father and out of nowhere she asked for a divorce. And then I go in to say, that's not how it happened. That's how I saw it. Yeah. Right. But that's not what really happened. And then I went into extreme detail in everything that I did to start that decline, even back, you know, years before that every little thing adds up over time. So, yeah, but that's, that's, yeah, it was really tough to relive all of it again. God damn. I want to go in the house and hug my wife. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I understand you completely. You know, I, I've been with my wife for 20 years. We've been together since we were 14. And, nice. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I grew up in some extenuating circumstances. You know, I've seen a lot of things in my life that I learned from. I got lucky and I learned from it and I learned to appreciate what you have. And, you know, um, something that for most, for the most part, I believe people can change. Um, now some people I don't think deserve to have a right change, mainly pedophiles, <laughs> but uh, we want to talk about that. Uh, there's you a know, cure. So, sometimes people don't change. It's the situation. That changes. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, um, it's kind of weird cause, um, you know, starting a podcast for me is something that helped me. Uh, I always thought I was a weirdo because I was in the horror movies and into like creepy things and ghosts and demons and paranormal stuff. And yeah. uh, so I was like, uh, I grew up with a tight knit group of friends and never thought that, you know, they're not really too much into that stuff. And uh, we're still friends to this day, 25 years, you know, <laughs> us friends. And like, uh, it's like I start this podcast because I like having conversations with people. Um, I met JT, you know, we first started talking about music and then he courses into the paranormal and creepy stuff too and horror movies. I'm like, sweet. I got, you know, there's somebody I can talk to you about it. And then, you know, you open up the door like this and you're meeting all these people from all over the world. And, um, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And then on top of that, you're using your platform to help people who are dealing with things and, you know, it could have a paranormal aspect to it or could not, but either way, you're there to help as much as you possibly can. I mean, I've been through your, uh, some of your, um, uh, your community chats and stuff like that. Cause I'm on there and I've seen, you know, some people talking about some things and people are like, I mean, they're quick to jump to help. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it don't take long yeah. at all. Yeah. The group is amazing. I mean, I've, I've read through some of the stories on there and people are so caring and giving and, you know, always willing to lend an ear. And you know what's funny about it is, and I've talked to JT about this before, <laughs> it's funny that we're, your hillbilly horror stories, we're the horror chronicles, you think of the word horror, and you wouldn't think of, hey, that's a group where you can go talk to people, they're going to help you out for sure, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, you know, this is, that's kind of how it is, yeah. you know? Uh, it, it's a, just a little deeper connection there, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's funny it's to cool me. It's community. No, for sure. For sure. Um, I know, uh, do you have any more questions about the book? Cause I want to talk to you about some other things besides yeah. the book. <laughs> well, I was, I was just kind of curious about, so out of all the stuff that you put in the book, what was one of your favorite stories? Well, I, I, I'll tell you my favorite story of all time. And I'll give you all, you guys the short version. Cause this is, this is, I'll go in detail in the book, but <laughs> yeah. Here's the situation. I told you that my mother and I was extremely close. We had a, a, a unique bond between us. And we cover this bond in, in several different chapters of different things that come up. But my mom always knew when something was, was up with me. You know, uh, and one of the stories I like to tell is one time I was in high school. I had just uh, gotten my license. I was about 17 years old. I was over a friend of mine, mine's house uh, by the name of Gina, and it was with a friend of mine named Tim. We had ridden over together. He drove. We're sitting in her house. We're just chatting, having a good time. And she lived in a mobile home. And the way her living room was set up, straight across was the kitchen. And off to the left, as it started the hallway, was a like a little laundry area. 
We're sitting there just talking, and then there's this loud crash. And we run in there to check and see what it was. A full bottle of dish detergent had fallen off of a rack and landed on top of the washer. So you can imagine how much noise that made. Yeah. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, the, the washer wasn't running. The dryer wasn't running. There was nothing causing the uh, mobile home to shake. So I immediately took that as something's up. I got to go home. Of course, pre-cell phone days. Right. And I tell, <laughs> I tell my buddy Tim, I'm like, we got to go home. I live like five minutes away. And he's like, what's up? I say, I don't know, but I know I have to go home. I get home. My mom's in a panic. My uncle had gotten into uh, some kind of a fight with a guy he worked with. He came out there to get my dad so they could go get even with the guy. Oh, no. And she was trying to reach me and had no clue where I was. That's the kind of things that happened a lot between my mother and I. So I don't know what happened there, but something got my attention. You could call it maybe some type of uh, telekinesis or mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but right. it was her way I know of. And even whether she even knew she did it. I have no clue, but those things between us would happen all the time. And I tell you that to tell you this story. So when my mom passed away, the last three, four years, maybe even going back actually the last 10 years, our relationship drifted apart. Uh, We would argue more times than not. I even got to the point where when I went over to the house uh, to visit my dad, if she was back in her bedroom or something, I didn't even go back to the seer sometimes. I would come see my dad and leave without even saying hi. She would call on the phone. Excuse me. Sometimes I would just see it was her and not answer the phone. When she died, this caused a ton of grief and uh, guilt, especially on my end. Six months after that, I was was getting ready to do a comedy show. And I was uh, doing stand-up comedy at the time. I was getting ready to do a show. It was a little hole-in-the-wall bar. And I'm there about an hour and a half early because I had nothing else to do. And I'm wanting to go over my act. This place is one of these little, I bet, I bet most people's living rooms are bigger than this bar. (laughs) So it had two rooms. It had the main room, which had the bar. Then it had like three step downs and a little lower room where they did karaoke. That's where we were doing the show. As I'm waiting, two bikers come in. This is a biker that uh, probably, The man was in his probably early 50s, typical biker, you know, look. He had the the beard, the mustache, the the long hair, and uh, the biker jacket on. His his woman, roughly the same age, same situation. Long hair, biker jacket, jeans. Yeah, the beard, the mustache. (laughs) (laughs) So I started talking to them. They didn't know who I was. I don't know who they were. I can't even tell you what their names were because I'm not – I'm horrible with names. So they tell me their names and we, we BS a little bit. I go step down. I ask them if they're going to stay for the comedy show. And they had no idea there was a comedy show going on, which is what happened most of my career. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I was so bad that when I quit comedy, I was the only one who knew I quit comedy. So, oh, shit. <laughs> so I stepped down in the little room. I'm down there by myself going over my notes. Well, they come down and sit down across you know the room from me but i felt obligated to go talk to them just because they're there and i feel like they probably think i'm rude if i don't i walk over and start talking to them and a couple of sentences go by can't even tell you what we were talking about and all of a sudden the guy says 
Well, your mom just wants you to know everything's okay. What? He has no clue that my mom's passed away, nothing about me. I'm thinking right. he's making some kind of joke that I don't get. So I kind of give it that little nervous laugh, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the woman reaches over and puts her hand on top of mine and says, no, your mom wants you to know that everything is okay. Oh and goodness. I knew that somehow, some way they were there to talk to me. So we're down in this room just by ourselves, And I just start, I just start going into, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, she passed away and I've just felt so guilty and, and they just keep going. They're like, you know, well, she wants you to know that there's no need to feel guilty that everything's okay. She wants you to know that everything's fine between you two. You need to let go of all that. And then we just kept talking and then, <clears throat> she mentioned again, you know, well, and she thinks that you should be doing bigger and better things than like playing at this little, little bar and, and this. And, and I mean, we had a good legitimate conversation for about 10 minutes and I couldn't tell you what hardly any of it is other than those first couple of lines, because right. it just totally blew well, me not. away. Yeah. And then they got up and they left. And that was the end of it. I've never seen Holy them before. Cow. I mean, never seen them after. And I think that's, that's just like the coolest story I'll ever have because that is, that is. I, think I, I think I heard you tell that story before. I've told it on Jim Harold's campfire. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. I remember you saying, telling that story. Yeah, man. That's, yeah, that is, uh, I mean, that's that kind of, cool. that's a great segue into kind of the stuff I was going, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, since I got your ear, <laughs> uh, he's going to talk your ear off. Now. Yeah, no. Um, but, uh, as far as that goes, you know, um, Paranormal wise, I know I listen to your show enough to know that you that you believe in in things. Um, but uh, there's a lot of talk um, I've been having with some people about like psychics or people who uh, say they can tell this or that. Um, because I was talking the conversation with my wife and she was talking about oh when you used to call Miss Cleo, remember? Call oh, me God. now for yeah. free yeah, reading. But uh, I was like, well, now you can't do that stuff because there's Facebook. So they're going to be scrolling through your Facebook once they know your name, and they're going to be able to look, oh, I, I sent you're having issues with this person. Yeah, because you're seeing it on Facebook. But uh, I think that there are people, and um, I'm actually a really empathetic person, but uh, not pathetic, empathetic. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> sorry. But uh, I think there are people who can, um, you know, talk to others that have passed. Yeah. I believe we live in different dimensions. I don't want to get you down a rabbit hole. You probably don't want to go down with me, but uh, I think there's different dimensions. And I think that there are people who can talk to others from different dimensions, but I don't think they really want to put that out there unless they really have to, or unless they're brought, you know? So what I'm saying is basically, I think that most of the people you see on TV and all this other stuff that say they're psychics are probably full of it. But I believe that there are people out there that, uh, that are. I was wondering what your thoughts on that We're here are. Talking, thinking about James Prague or something. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think there are people out there that can. Um, I know of a young lady, and uh, I won't throw her name out there, but she actually has her own podcast. That's how I got to know her. And she has told me a couple of things that she couldn't have even gotten off Facebook. And yeah. You know, very specific things. And one of them was to me, and one of them was to my my wife and like for example i'll give you the best example my, my wife's mother passed away and this was about three years ago we've yeah. never really talked about it so it's not out there on the podcast to hear and she was really struggling and uh, i hooked her up with this young lady 
And she'll tell you right off the bat, I don't want to know anything about it. She don't want, it don't matter what you're going to ask her about, she don't want to know anything about it. And she was talking to my wife about it. And she said, she knows that you climbed up in the bed with her right before she passed away, which she did. And nobody knew that wasn't something we put on Facebook, but even more, and this really tugged on my wife's heartstrings. Her mother used to always end every phone call. Well, I just wanted to hear your voice. I just wanted to hear your voice. And that's the way this psychic medium ended the call. She said, she said, she said, well, she just said, she just really wanted to hear your voice. And the fact that she ended the call that way and that she told her the other thing that nobody knew was enough for me to know that, that she was, she was on it. And, and with me, she told me something that I didn't even remember until I thought (laughs) about it. I I called her about something else and we sat and was talking. Uh, We had a listener who lost a, a, a seven-year-old in a car accident. And oh, uh, I got a seven-year-old. So I don't... He, he wanted me to, you know, we did a little tribute to her on the show. And then he called in a couple of weeks later to tell everybody how thankful he was. But he wanted me to hook him up with somebody. And I'm real cautious about that because just like you said, I think right. some of those people, yeah, um, they just take advantage of people. But I knew this young lady wouldn't. And when, as I was talking to her, um, the next, she, I tell her what's going on, and then she talks to him. Well, here's another example. She, she, when I call her to say, hey, can you talk to him? She says, um, does this involve a tree? And it didn't. And uh, it was a vehicle on vehicle. And I said, no, no, there was no tree. She said, okay, well, don't tell me anymore. So she talks to him. He calls me and says, dude, she was spot on. And I talked to her again, and um I said, well, I talked to him. I said, well, she said something about a tree, and I knew that wasn't the case. He said, oh, no, it was. It wasn't in the story. But after the two vehicles hit, she ended up sliding into a tree, and that was what made it difficult to get him out. Oh, See, that wow. wasn't in the story that was listed on the news or anything. So I had, and I read all that, but I didn't know. But she knew about the tree. But wow. when I talked to her again, and she was telling me that she had spoke to him, she said, you know, when I was talking to you the other day, there was a woman standing behind you. And it, and this keep in mind, she wasn't watching me on video. She was just talking to me on the phone. But she said right. she could see a woman behind me as we were talking. She said she was in her 60s. She said she had uh, a 60s style hairdo. And she had uh, a black, really nice dress on with white pearls and horn rim glasses. Does that ring a bell? I said, absolutely not. No, don't ring a bell at all. And she's like, oh, Okay. And then we start talking about something else. And then it dawned on me that when I was about five years old, my great grandmother passed away and we were living in her house at the time. And she actually left the house to my father. So that's where we lived for a while. But my dad has one picture of her. And in that picture, she's got the horned rim glasses. She's got the black, the black dress and the white pearls. And she's in her 60s. Wow. And I, it, it dawned on me after we started talking about something else, that picture. And I ended up taking a picture of, of his picture. And I, I texted it to her. And she said, that's exactly who I saw. Wow. So, that's yeah. Crazy. That's cool. I was just going to say, you got a girl looking over your shoulder right now. And it's creeping me out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got all kinds of cool stuff in here. Our yeah, you studio. Do. yeah, I seen the tour you put it through there. Yeah. It was pretty yeah, cool. cool. We're working on ours. You can't see our, we it's funny. We were talking before we uh got on here with you. JT's like, should we leave the lights on? I'm like, we're we're used to doing it with the lights off. 
And he's like, like whoa, wait, he's wait. Like, uh, I'm like, man, <laughs> maybe I should tell Jerry. He wants to have lights on or off. We're used to doing it with the lights off. So, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome. You know, that story reminds me of, uh, my wife actually, uh, when she was a kid, she was probably five or six. Um, she was, she was, a. Uh, she told her dad this or her mom this story. She kept telling her there's a lady that comes in my room and she reads me stories at night. And she kept saying that, you know, periodically. And then her mom was like, what are you, you know, stop, you know, whatever. You're just dreaming. You're just dreaming. And she goes, um, mom, there's a lady that, uh, comes and reads me stories. And she's like, she's she looks like this. She's wearing this blue dress and she's got these white gloves on and this hat. Or, the, or something like that and she describes this and then her mom just starts crying goes to tell her dad and she's like tell your dad what you just told me explains everything to her dad and her dad sits down and he's just like you know shake his head like wow well it just so happened that her parent that her great that her grandparents from down in mississippi were visiting and she described the lady to uh her grandma and her that was her grandma's mother her great-grandma and that's what she was buried in and and um she said that um this is what's kind of crazy about it is she told her she said i don't want to tell nobody else i don't want to tell nobody um after she told her mom she because i'm afraid she's not gonna tell me the stories no more because she said that every night she would float she said she would float to her bed sit down real gently read her a little bit of a story and then just tell her go shh like that and she said don't tell nobody and then she would leave wow and then ever since after she told her um grandma about that then it never happened again but that's a crazy story like uh and that just reminded me of it with the whole you know describing in detail and not knowing anything and then uh that's somebody down the line you end up knowing what the heck happened it's crazy yeah, it's weird. We talk about, our, you know, people having personal experiences all the time and like you with the psychic and, you know, that's a personal experience. Me, myself, I've actually never had an experience with a psychic or anything. I, You know, I've always been on that level of, eh, I don't know that I really believe them, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, there's been some paranormal stuff that I've experienced, but that's, you know, stories for another time. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I just kind of wanted to get your uh, thoughts on some of that stuff, you know, and I kind of really want to ask you a question since JT's here with me. Cause I've heard you talk about it. it. I don't want to put <laughs> you on the spot here. I really don't, but I've heard you talk about it a little bit on your podcast and, um, we talk about them, these people quite often. And that is Ed and Lorraine Warren. <laughs> <laughs> And this oh, is why, I love it. This is why. Look at the look on I this did, face. I didn't want to put you on wait, the spot. Way to piss a guy off. Come <laughs> on, man. But, <laughs> you know, I've talked to JT about it because yeah. we're huge fans of, uh, of The Conjuring. The movies are great. Right. However, I did listen to your episode when you had, um, oh, God. Andrea Perrin. Andrea Perrin. Yeah. When you had her on. And um, I actually, right after I 
heard that episode the next day i told jt i'm like she said she has like a you know three or four something part movie deal coming out to where she can tell the story about it but i was kind of talking to him about it because you know he's uh and i i, I kind of am too uh i guess a fan you would say of ed lorraine's work but i know that i've heard you say it and i've heard other people say it too in that in that world that they're kind of uh but i was just kind of uh wondering um if you don't have to elaborate on it if you don't want to speak of the dead no it doesn't it doesn't bother bother me at all i've been actually pretty vocal on my opinions of them um i mean let's 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 go through this so ed was a self-proclaimed demonologist and from my understanding, uh, he learned all this on his own, so he didn't take any classes really, or Go if he the- did, it was minimal. Uh, Lorraine was not a medium when he met her. She says that she, you know, from my understanding from her, was this was all something that happened after they met. Mm-hmm. That's suspicious right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. But 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 at the same time, I think my problems with them are I'm not going to say that that they're completely full of crap. Yeah. Uh, I think that there probably was uh, a lot of genuineness to what they were doing, especially on Lorraine's side. Now, I think Ed was a businessman, and I think they got a little bit of a reputation, so they were able to get involved with a lot of cases. But when you look at a lot of these cases, like um, The Conjuring, for example, you know, according to Andrea Perrin, you know, they didn't, show up until late in the game, you know, after a lot of stuff had already happened. And there was a couple of other stories, you know, the, the devil made me do it case. They showed up late, late in the game, which by the way, that's good. That'll be the next conjuring movie Yeah, is uh, the devil made me do it case. Um, You know, there's just been a bunch of the cases that, but the best one is the one that they based conjuring two over uh, the, uh, yes. uh, Yes. Yeah. The infield poltergeist. Yeah. You know, they supposedly spent very little time there. I mean, very little. Now, if you watch the movie, the you know, and that's not their fault that the movie based it like that. I mean, they're through right. it all the way through. But from my understanding, they only spent like a day or two over there in that yeah. whole case. So I, I just, my main problem with them comes from the Amityville case. You know, I, I think, you know, the, the guy who wrote the book, they basically told him, you know, from what he's saying that they just said, ah, we got enough, just finish it, you know, mm-hmm. or make, make the rest of it up if you need to. And I, I think, I think the meeting between them, the writer of the, of the book and with the Lutzes, I think pretty much, yeah, who was you know, William Friedkin. Was that who wrote no, it? he's the exorcist. He directed, he directed the exorcist. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. You're right. That was uh, um, Peter Blatty. Yeah, William Peter Blatty's the one who wrote The Exorcist. Yeah. I'm not sure who wrote uh, – I can't remember the guy's name who wrote Name of Horror. But yeah. I, I just think that a lot of stuff is embellished on their part. I, that's probably the best way to put it. Uh, yes. You know, when you're talking to Andrea Perrin, they bugged them to death to write a book, and the mom kept refusing to do it. They didn't want to make a movie and a book out of it. I right? told – I don't know if JT listened to the episode. I told them about it. I was like, man, they and they lived in that house for like 10 years afterwards. Yeah. According to Andrea, she's saying that, you know, really for them – it wasn't horrible. It was mainly her mother who was the one that, you know. Yeah, she she had the problems. The Most of them didn't really have much of the problems. Yeah. And then they left and they moved to, you know, down to Florida, I think it was, because that's where they live at now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they moved down to Florida and uh, 
the Warrens were calling them like 10, 11 yeah. years later, trying to get them to do a book deal. And they said, no, quit calling the house. Yeah. So they did not have a good relationship with the Warrens for the most part. And, and uh, the, the Andrea's dad actually punched, uh, yes. punched him for trying to instigate stuff during the, the incident that they had in the house, you know, yeah. the seance. Well, I, and I remember too, that, uh, Speaking of the Amityville um, incident, I remember, I think it was last year on your Halloween special, Tony Bruschi uh, did the interview, played the interview he had with... Uh, was the, it Daniel? I think I think that's what the name was, the, the guy that uh, was fo- following them throughout their case or through the, throughout uh, the Amityville case. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He also did an interview way back in the early days with Daniel, that's one of the sons. Yes, uh, yes, I did. I listened to that one too. Yeah, you're right. It was the, It was the other guy. It was a like I think I can't remember if it was a reporter or like a cameraman or somebody that was uh following them throughout the whole Amityville thing. Yeah. So we had like a first hand account of what was going on during actually during the whole thing. So I think stuff happened in that house. I do. Oh yeah. And and, and I think that they experienced stuff. And but I I don't think that it was you know I think it was deeply embellished the level with of the book. Yeah. Right. Man, and that's and that's kind of what I was going to talk to. It, it, it kind of had a point to do with the psychic thing as well. You know, I believe there are people who can see these things, and people who I, I feel I I get like a, a weird gut feeling on things, and when I think there's or I feel there's something around, like it, it stuff happens. But like it kind of with Ed and Lorraine, it kind of is the same way with the psychic situation I was trying to talk to you about. You know, I believe that some people, like you said. Um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Never let a good, uh, oh, what is it? A good something go to waste. I always use it. Like never let a good woman go, (laughs) but never crisis or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Never let a good crisis go to waste, you know? Um, so they just, they profit off it or they, you know, prosper off of it. Um, and to me, like, that's why I like talking to people who, uh, who maybe aren't so much like, well, known, like you said, like the, the psychic that you, uh, said that you knew, um, people like that, that aren't out there pushing these things and aren't like making tons of money and super rich off of other people's sufferings. Really? I mean, that's kind of how I looked at the books and things. And, um, like Andrea said, in that interview you guys had, uh, she was talking about like, um, they made it look like they went out and searched for them to find them. Right. Right. Whenever really it was them that came to their house later on. And her dad never liked them from the beginning. <laughs> Evidently it was like, uh, didn't want them around at all. Right. They were dealing with somebody from like the university that was actually helping them. And that person is the one who contacted Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. 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 So, um, I, it's just, it made for a really good movie, though. The movie was, it was great. an awesome movie. <laughs> I love. We we talk about it all the time. You know that movie saved the horror genre for us. You that know? and Insidious. Yes. Yeah, the Insidious yes. series was really good. But yeah, you know, I uh, we we wanted to bring you on here to talk about your book and stuff, like we did. I just uh, since I had your ear, I was like, I got to talk to him about some things. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of crazy when you you know. Granted, we've been on your podcast before and things and. You know, when you hear people talking on a podcast and you listen to them all the time, it's like you kind of know them, but you don't know them. So when you get a chance to talk to them, it's you're kind of like, hey, hey, there's a connection here. You don't know it because you don't know that I listen to you all the time, (laughs) but there there is one, you know. Uh, 
But, you know, this is kind of the cool thing that's going on with us starting this podcast. Right. We get to talk to people like you who've inspired us and, you know, uh, helped us out quite a bit. You know, I mean, shoot, it wasn't, what, two weeks after he gave us some info, we freaking yeah. switched our yeah. whole game up and, yeah. like, uh, it helped out tremendously. <laughs> yeah, you helped us out tremendously. That's you know? Um, yeah, it was, it was so funny to, you know, whenever Ryan came to me, he was like, hey uh, – I want to start a podcast. And I think the first words that came out of my mouth was, what the fuck's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, well, here, you got to listen to the, and, and it was funny. Your guys, show was the first show he, he told me about. So I'm like, I'm like, hillbilly horror stories. Wait a minute. What the hell are you getting me into? Here? You know? <laughs> He's like, no, it's not, it's not what you think. You just got to listen to it. And of course I got hooked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've been listening for years now. So, yeah, it's just, it's I just, I love the way you guys put stuff together and, you know, you and Tracy feed off each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good thing about being, having that connection, you know, yeah. JT's the power bottom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the Tracy in this. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, no, we, well, you know, we usually have actually uh breezy can't make it throughout the week. She has twins and she lives quite a bit away. So, but, uh, we've actually added another guy. Now. Yes. Yeah. So there's four of us now, usually, um, Bradley, which you'll, uh, you'll probably see him. You'll if probably ever. see him at some point, but, uh, we, we also, you know, we're doing a YouTube thing where we're going to be doing investigations and, you know, I looked at, uh, when JT told me, you know, and I heard you on your podcast talking about how you're going to be doing this and that and that, and you're doing it full time. I was like, man, I can't wait to be able to do that. And I know it took a long time for you to get right. there. Right. But it's an inspiration, you know. Yeah. So definitely, um, definitely. you're building the the road for uh, other people to look at, and you know, I think it's really cool the way that you guys help out people, and you're always there to help, and you know, uh, it's uh, you're not uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Nobby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, some people have. I was gonna click that M button and be like, "These fucking guys, Jesus!" <laughs> and we're done. No, uh, no, but no, we uh, we just want to say that we're uh, excited about the book. You know, Good fans. Man. Um, and uh, I seen you post up that picture on Facebook of the actual cover. I was like, "Dude, that is some awesome art." Yeah, so shout cool. out to Tim for uh, for doing that. Absolutely, it looks great. And um, so I know you guys have got some stuff coming up, uh, like the Bobby Mackey thing. Uh, you guys got anything else going on? I, I, the only thing I got going on right now, because COVID, obviously, normally we would have had all of next next week's events set up already. I set those up in October, and I didn't even bother right now because who knows? We've yeah. we had nine events set set up this year, and we're going to end up doing uh, two of them. Wow. So it's you know it's it's just yeah. crazy. Yeah. But yeah. yeah Bobby, Bobby Mackey's. I don't know when this is airing, but Bobby Mackey's will probably be over with by then because it's like five days away. And, yeah, uh, yeah, but you know we've got some couple of book signings. I've got a book signing in Louisville, Lexington, in the okay. Cincinnati area, and Hamilton, Ohio, and uh, those are all up on our website, Hillbilly Horror Stories. If anybody lives close to that and wants to come check us out, yeah, well, awesome, sure. awesome. Well, sure. uh, why don't you uh, let our, our uh, horror fam know where they can uh, find you at and all that good stuff and the book and all that. We're easy. Uh, just hillbillyhorrorstories.com. You can find everything there and uh, any search engine. Uh, we'll pull that up if you just pull up Hillbilly Horror Stories. If you, you can get the book there if you want it personalized or you can go straight to Amazon. 
and uh, find it there. You can look up Hillbilly Horror Stories and the uh, ebook and the uh, paperback will come up. Perfect. Awesome. Well, man, I, Jerry, I really great to appreciate you coming on here, man. Uh, you're an inspiration to us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's cool to have you on here and talk, be able to talk to you. And I'm sure we'll talk to each other in the future. Maybe. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, because I think you guys are going to do something for our Halloween show, right? We are. Oh, yeah. Yep, we yep. Um, and we'll get that all squared away here in just a little bit. Yeah, we actually, you know, so much. It's kind of crazy. Uh, stuff's been popping for us, too. You know, like we've been doing all these interviews, and it's cool to watch everything grow. Yeah, and yeah. now you got, we're doing stuff with you, and we just got a, a deal with uh, Manscaped. So we got oh, to. nice. Yeah, yeah so we got to. They sent us, uh, sent us everything. Uh, last week and signed us up for advertising with them so now i gotta shave we'll see how that goes (laughs) yeah please please don't post pictures (laughs) before and after it was so funny because they're sending us product and uh they're like oh yeah we'll send you product for all the hosts i told ryan i'm like dude they're only sending us one we're gonna have to share it I said, I got dibs on first, and I'm just shaving my butthole. You can have it after that. <laughs> Dude, we were supposed to do those, uh, what's the, the high-end toothbrush that's got the timer on it? Uh-huh. Uh, qu- quibits oh. or quidits or something. Yeah, we were supposed talking about. We were supposed to do those. They were going to send us one, and then COVID hit, and they pulled out. Oh, uh, so it's like, oh man, I was looking forward to getting one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where we were with this manscape thing. Yeah, I was like, man, I really need to shave my balls. But anyways, uh, Jerry, I know you're a busy man. That's like the rest of us. So uh, we really greatly appreciate your time, man, and um, good luck on the book and everything. And I'm sure we'll be in touch. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Thank you. If you wouldn't mind, stay on the line for a couple minutes. I'd like to talk to you about some stuff. Sure. But, uh, all right, guys. Hey, everybody. That was Jerry Pauly, guys. Uh, awesome. I love it. And, uh, go over, uh, check them out. Hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Uh, you can find their podcast on every podcast provider out there. That's right. Show them some love. Show them some love. They showed us some love. You showed them some love. But, anyways, horror fam, we love you guys. Thanks for your support. And, uh, As always, until next time, keep it creepy.